Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to News from the Krabby Coffee Shop with your host, Don McLean, from Jason and Alexis in the Morning on My Talk 1071, Garage Logic's newsman, Mr. FYI, John Height, and the crabbiest guy in the coffee shop, Kenny Olson. Ross, if you know what a crossfade is, do it now. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, Good job, nice. Ross. If I knew how long this ramp was, I'd walk right up to the vocals and kiss the post. You know, I spun some music on some FM dials back in my day. All right, pipe down. (laughs) (laughs) Don, good morning. Good morning. John? Hi. Hello. Hi, John. Hi. How are you? Good. How are Our you? Uh, guest today, we've been uh, talking about having Gene on for a couple of hundred years, and we finally... We finally did it, and uh, Gene Hollister of Rose Presents is our only guest for the entire two-hour show yes. this morning. Two hours. Wow. <laughs> Hi, Gene. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, hey. Kenny. I thought you've been lying for a year because you'd always say, hey, next week, let's get Gene. Yeah. Okay, yeah, great, Kenny. Okay, we'll wait. Gene, I've been talking about you behind your back to John Height for years and years and years about <laughs> uh, rock shows and artists and guitars and, and et cetera. I'm glad you two finally get a chance to meet but it sounds like um john is already familiar with your band rhinestone diplomats uh yeah well he had he had reviewed one of the records uh for vintage guitar magazine and um that was the first one we put out i think that he reviewed so um yeah thank you john for doing well, that. You're, you're welcome i remember it and it was a while ago <laughs> Yeah, I I, I want this. I, I really I don't want this segment, this show, to turn into Kenny and Gene stories, uh, because Gene and I have known each other since I think it was eighty. He doesn't want you to reveal any dirt about him. Yeah, let's not reveal any dirt about each other, Gene. Let's. It keep... was. It was certainly the early eighties, eighty two, eighty three, something like. Do that. you remember the day no, we he met? Doesn't. I remember. I still remember the day we met. He doesn't remember the eighties. No. We, <laughs> Uh, this day, for some reason, I do remember we were both working at Acme Electronics. Um, yep. I, Acme. Yeah, Acme Electronics, owned by Dick Atlas. Uh, yep. Kitty Corner. Kitty, yeah, I know. That's a hell of a name, isn't it? God, yeah. yeah. He, make it he up. put Dick's on the map. <laughs> yeah. Atlas Dick. Yeah. <laughs> Kitty Corner from, uh, what's that restaurant, the blue one? Uh, J.D. Hoyt's. I was wearing a Detonators t-shirt, which was a band from Fergus Falls, and Gene goes, oh, hey, I was in that band. And I'm like, no, you weren't. (laughs) And he goes, no, really, I was in that band. And as it turns out, you were in an early um, formation of um, the Detonators along with the Hermie Brothers. Yep. And they went on. First guys I played in the band with were Paul and Chuck, yep. And they moved down here. They started the phones, and then the phones collapsed years later, and they started Mile One. Well, I thought they started Mile One up in Fergus. Oh. Yeah, here we go telling Kenny and Gene stories. Yeah, what's Kenny's revisionist well, no, we're telling Mile One stories. <laughs> How did you end up at Rose Presents? I remember it was sometime in the 80s, maybe late 80s. You, you, I think you spent a, a few years on the couch doing nefarious things. Uh, well, in... In yeah. 1985, okay. I, well, I think it was 85, um, I started with Midwest Ticket, which was Randy's company at the time. Um, that was the ticketing company 
that he owned along with Rose Presents. And Randy used to be Schoen Productions way back. Way oh, back. right, sure. Schoen, S-H-O-E-N. S-C-H-O-N. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So anyway, he. Uh, so I started in 85 or whatever with the ticketing company, and then when, Mid- when Ticketmaster came into the market, they bought out everyone ticket, <laughs> and I just went to the promoter side working with Randy and, mm. and a guy named Roger Clevisol, who, who's passed away, but... Uh, I was their assistant, and then when Roger went to Kansas City around 1990 or 91, I think he was going to offer me a job, but I just stayed here in Minneapolis, and Randy and I kind of became partners at that point. So that's uh, that's when I started with Rand. Well, that's when I started on the promoter side of things anyway. Okay. I don't know what to so ask. So you didn't really introduce him to people who don't know who he is. This is Gene, my buddy Gene, <laughs> and that's all you need to know. Oh, you know what? If you've ever, been, if you're a frequent concert goer in the Twin Cities, or if you go to a lot of bars, I know you've seen Gene and you've probably talked to him, and you've done a one hell of a lot of acts in the Twin Cities, from big giant three day shows to tiny little bar shows. You've done it all. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, you know, everything from, you know, the Stones and U2 and Pink Floyd to, uh, you know, Trapped or something, you know, American Head Charge, some, you know, some small oh, stuff at, at uh, small stuff at, you know, Urban Wildlife and uh, First Avenue and, uh, you know, Caboose and all the way up to the stadiums. And then we did do festivals. We did. A couple of years we did a uh, Riverfest. The last two years that it ran oh, in, nice. in 1989 and 90, we were Riverfest. There are a lot of acts. And, and uh, yeah, there's a lot that I probably have forgotten about now. I used to remember all of them. And, you know, now there's just so many that have gone through my brain that, that uh, I, I can probably figure out all of them that I've done in the past. And But, yeah, quite a few anyway. Riverfest was... When I first, I moved here in 88 and Riverfest for the first couple of years was, that was my heaven <laughs> because you could go there and see everybody. I think that's go. where I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan for the first time. He, I remember he was there. I saw him there. Yep. I think I he played him. in 89 and 90 and mm-hmm. then, you know, shortly thereafter, I think it was a month after Riverfest in 1990 that he, that the helicopter crash happened. Uh, yeah. Yeah. From Alpine Valley? Yeah, it was Alpine Valley yeah, in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I remember I saw him and Jeff Beck also at the Guthrie. Oh, I was he, at that show. North, uh, no, not the not the Guthrie, not the Guthrie Northrop at Northrop. Yeah, at the U. And I remember it was great because we were sitting underneath the balcony and we could feel little pebbles of things coming down on yes. us. So we thought, oh no, yeah. the whole thing's going to collapse on us. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my oh, yeah. gosh! Had, it, it was loud. Had, uh... They had the B-52s there once, and parts of the balcony were falling. I was at that show, too, Gene. <laughs> oh, no. Gene, actually, I think the first show you and I went to, you made me go, and I think it was at the Northrop. It was with uh, Paul Smith, who at the time was the sound engineer for Urban Gorillas, and it was uh, Frank Zappa. Was that? Yep. Yeah, and that was at the Northrop. Yeah, I talked to Paul about that this summer, actually. I saw him in, in Duluth because he was... Um, Running sound for the Jayhawks, he used to tour with them, and and he still does select shows with them. But can I ask? Yeah. This is my name's Dawn, um, and part of my life, I used to be an event producer, and I worked for a company that toured with Ozfest for a couple of years. This is the this is it, Dawn. Right, we, we were there t- that night. Oh, right. okay, All yeah, three of us. you know, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. Those are the years that I ran around with Ozfest for a couple of summers. Uh-huh. And I don't know. I want to ask, what is the process of booking a band? How does that work? Oh, yeah. can, you, can you, like, from the inception of, of the beginning of that, and also in addition to that, what was the first band that you alone were in charge of booking? Oh, boy, I probably don't remember that one. Right oh, you, I, you don't? Oh. But I, but, I, but I know, you know, a lot. it works in a few different ways. You know, sometimes the agents will call you. Sometimes you have a relationship with the management. Sometimes, you know, like I think in the case of, uh, let's say, Lilith Fair that we mm-hmm. did, um, I mean, we had the experience 
promoting outdoor festivals, right? My business partner, Randy, was the WeFest guy for 30 years or something like okay. that. And, and we did we did just a ton of outdoor festivals. So, you know, the agents and management all had their confidence in us to, to produce and, and um, you know, well, to produce and sell the show, you know, promote it properly. Right. And, and so, and once in a while, there's a, a thing where, you wind up finding a band that you really like, you know, just out of the blue, you know, because you heard them right uh, somewhere. And, and uh, so you wind up contacting the agent and, you know, um, telling him how much you like the band and how much you want to promote them. And sometimes you get the show and sometimes you don't. And, and I would promoted disturbed quite a bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That was one where they didn't even have a record deal. Uh, when they when I first promoted them, and really, they the first they were the first band of three at Ryan's Corner or you know whatever maybe it was Station Four by then, but downtown St. Paul, so, right? Yep. So they had yeah. a couple of different names over the years, and probably a couple of different owners because I know Mark, uh, Tom Ryan owned it, and then he sold it, and then it went to Station Four in the lab. But uh, I had I had known the manager of the band. Because the previous band that he worked with was a band called Mind Bomb, mm, and never heard of them. I had them here in town, and I had them up in Detroit Lakes because we used to do a July Fourth thing up in Detroit Lakes. Yep. It was a rock event, yep. and so uh, Jeff Battaglia was the manager of, of uh, Disturbed, and he called me and said, "Hey, can we get them into Minneapolis?" And I said, "Sure." So we put them on first mm. and three, and they flattened the other two bands. They were they were really <laughs> of good. Of course. And uh, they and so and then they got a record deal like a week later. Oh, you know they had been working on it, but um, yeah, a couple of those I just got in involved before they even you know were were very well known at all. Now that's got to be fulfilling. Well, it's great, you know, if you can help a band like that and, and yeah. bring them along and, and um, you know, and, and if you can keep working with them over the years. And it gets tougher and tougher to do that because of, you know, the Live Nations, they'll they'll offer an entire tour to a band. Sure. And so you get cut out of the deal. And, right. And uh, it happened, you know, occasionally, like in the case of the Eagles or Steely Dan or something like that. They're both Irving Azoff acts. And we had a relationship with Irving. And he would say, okay, you guys get one Eagle show on this tour. <laughs> or you get one, whatever, one Steely Dan date on this tour. Where do you want to do it? And, and um, you know, so we got to do a few of those shows uh, just because of those relationships, too. Okay, so that's one way of doing it, but I remember getting calls from you in the 90s asking me my opinion on certain bands because you were doing something, and I might be wording it wrong, but you were bidding on them? Is that the correct well, way? Yeah, you, you make an offer you know, to the agent, and that's why I say sometimes you know, uh, if the money isn't right and somebody's willing... Uh, we did a lot of stuff with White Zombie and, and then Rob Zombie afterwards, right? Yeah. And the first time they played, it was it was Roy Wilkins Auditorium for White Zombie, and we had an offer in, and so did Jam or Company Jam Company Seven were tied together, uh, but you know another promoter had an offer in, and they were going to sell the show to the other promoter, and we said no. Well, let's do this because we believed in the band. Mm. Um, that they would grow and become bigger. So we upped our offer quite a bit, and you know we we got the show, and we wound up working with them for quite a while, and and that relationship kind of led to. I mean, I managed Flip for a little while too, and they won the warm up the zombie contest, which was an MTV contest. Oh, uh, that's how they got that gig. Well, yeah, that well, and that's you know, so we yeah we basically, I mean. I thought their success on. was solely because of you, Gene. I really did. <laughs> no, no, because they, 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 they played they played some really big, big shows. Yeah, they were they were a good band. I mean, you know, and they're still around and they're still playing and, and uh doing shows and, and we, we had them on ninety three X Fest or Edge Fest or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. They wound up getting on M T V just uh, it, it wasn't 
even related to the contest. They just, you know, they, they were whatever the Kurt Loader and the MTV Music News, they showed flip on it. And, um, but we wound up getting the, the warm up the zombie gig, winning that. And when I talked to Rob, he said, well, we had a whole lot of, you know, Panteras and we had a whole lot of whatever. Oh, and then there was flip because we had to submit a video to, to the contest. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they picked us, or they picked Flip, so that was great. We got to go to Detroit and play uh, with uh, White Zombie, the Ramones, and the Super Suckers. Mm. And they asked us, do you want to go on between the Super Suckers and the Ramones or between the Ramones and White Zombie? <laughs> and I think our comment was, "If we, it's Detroit. If we go on between the Ramones and White Zombie, We'll get killed. (laughs) Yes, it's so true. Gosh. Uh, At this point, you're almost always dealing at that point with agents, correct? With the band's agent. You're never dealing with, at that point, musicians. And the musicians are basically just relying on their agents to to handle all of that for them, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of, yeah. For the most part, um, you deal with the agents and the managers. and, And really, the agents are supposed to be that conduit between, you know, the promoter and the band and, and yeah. management. And, yeah. you know, there is a, you know, you do get to know bands and be friendly with them. And, and, you know, crash test dummies I've promoted since, you know, God, no, you know, they're for first time they played the state theater, I think, you know, so weren't they just here, promoted. Gene? Weren't they just, huh? weren't, weren't crash test dummies just here? They're here back in February, and they're coming back again in March. Okay. Uh, I saw them at the fine line uh, back when, you know, Cities was playing the hell out of those records. I saw them uh, yeah. play the fine line. Yeah. Gene, so, you I mean, met- those guys even mentioned on stage, you know, which was kind of flattering that, oh, we've been working with Gene since we, the first time <laughs> we came here. And, it, and this is one of their bigger markets, even though they never reached a, you know, a level of a... Mm-hmm of an arena, but they, they, you know, they were doing solid theater business and, and, um, you know, they're a good band. I'm so, and I, I was even a little bit, uh, I was at the last show, I was sitting in the office at the, at the Fitzgerald and they piped the music into the office and I was surprised, not surprised. I mean, I, I just didn't realize how much tongue-in-cheek stuff they had. You know how, yeah. how kind of humorous the, some of their lyrics are. And, yeah. And uh, but they're super nice people, and and uh, you know it's 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 nice to have relationships like that. So. Gene, uh, tell Don I think it's the Greg Allman T-shirt story. Oh. <laughs> so we did. Uh, we did the Almond Brothers with Hootie and the Blowfish opening, and this was for a Thanksgiving show, I think, for KQRS. Yeah. And um, so there's a few stories from that night, but but anyway. <laughs> I, I, oh my gosh, just yeah. the T-shirt story, Gene. Just the T-shirt, <laughs> yeah. just the t-shirt story. So, so the T-shirt story was um, I was wearing a Stax Records T-shirt that I'd gotten in Memphis when I was traveling down there. And I wore it that night, and I came out of the our production office, and I pretty much ran smack into Greg, and he looked at me, and he goes, "Stax Records." He goes, "I gotta have it, trade you." Oh. And, I, and I, you know, it was a white T-shirt, and I, I always tell the story. It's like, oh, it's a white T-shirt. I'm just gonna spill barbecue sauce on it anyway. So, um, I, so I, and it's Greg Allman. So I went, sure. So oh I take man. Off my shirt. I take off my shirt, and as soon as, and then he starts taking off his shirt, which was an old Harley Davidson T-shirt from somewhere. And I realized that he had just gotten off stage. Oh, oh my God! This is every fangirl's dream. Are you well, kidding me? He had gotten off stage, and the shirt is sweaty, and it's of November. Of course, they would have never washed it. Well, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm sitting there, and I don't have another shirt, so. I'm, I, I I actually went into the office and I had a leather jacket on and, and this is kind of a side sidebar story. So I put on my leather jacket with no shirt and I walked out in the hallway and uh, I looked up, down guys? the hallway and, and I, I looked down the hallway to one of the 
security guys and I go, they call me Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Fabio? Why are you shirtless with a leather jacket on? Excellent. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're like, because I don't want to wear a sweaty shirt. <laughs> oh. Wow, so, that's cool. Gene, uh, so Don, go ahead, Gene. Eventually, like Randy, my business partner, tends to dress in layers. So he took off one of his shirts and gave it to me to, to wear the rest of the night. I swear to God, I saw Randy one night dressed up as Gene Simmons at a, at a Kiss concert. Am I, was I hallucinating, or did that oh really God. happen? Oh boy! I don't know. He dressed as a hobo once and, and came out to to a show that we were doing with Kiss, but he was dressed like a hobo. <laughs> wow! And, um, but but anyway, so Bert Holman, who was the manager of the Almond Brothers goes well why did you do that and i said well it was a white shirt i'll spill barbecue sauce on it and it was right home and so i just traded him right and he goes well he's just going to give it away to some girl in two i don't care you know and so like i don't know it was right around the opening of the rock hall of fame you know they did the first uh they did like an opening concert that had the almond brothers on it yeah and Greg's wearing my shirt. Sweet. <laughs> oh, nice. that's cool. Nice. And then he's then he's on Letterman, and he's wearing my shirt again. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Did and, you say that's some, my shirt? <laughs> and there's some pictures of uh, they they have a book out called I think it's Libraire or something like that. There was uh, Kirk West, who was their tour manager, took photos all the, through all this time. And so there's a couple of photos in that book of Greg wearing my shirt at the you know at the rehearsals for the. Letterman thing and uh, that kind of thing. So I thought, oh, that's cool. He never got rid of it, or he didn't get rid of it in two weeks like Bert thought he was. That's so (laughs) funny. Oh, man. So what part of the process uh, when it comes to, at this point, well, even back then, uh, that pisses you off the most? Oh, oh, here we go. When you're trying to book a band or, I mean... I'm assuming money or... It's got to be Live Nation. Those guys are bastards. <sighs> well, get me started. I mean, it's, tough to, it's tough to compete against, you know, the, the behemoths like yeah. that now as an independent promoter because they are buying all the dates. And, yeah, some, you know, money is sometimes an issue. You know, the the bands, you know, think they're worth... Well, it, it's kind yeah. of... This is kind of a... a stab at them in a way but you know bands think they're worth more tickets than they're actually worth Mm. or you know and you don't want to lose money you know i'm not in it to to lose money i'm trying to trying to get enough people out to see the band you know the promoters are the last ones that are paid sure you know you have to pay the band you have to pay the sound you have to pay the security you have to pay the venue until you know there's a whole list of different expenses you know that that vary whether it's a club show to a, a outdoor festival but you know, the promoters are the last ones to get any money. So if the show doesn't do well, well, I'm out of pocket, whatever the loss is. And if it does well, well, then I make some money. And, you know, in that case, sometimes the bands make more because they're on, you know, they get bonuses sometimes. Uh. It just depends upon the deal, right? <laughs> but, but they'll get a bonus. And, and but, you know, that's the, the thing that pisses me off the most, I think, is it's actually kind of frustrating now because there's a lot of junior agents and I don't do as much calling around and Mm. talking to agents and I don't book as many shows as I used to. So every once in a while you get a junior agent or a new agent and you have, I have to explain to them, no, you know, we were part of Michael Cole's company. I didn't just fall off the beat truck. You know, we (laughs) know what we're doing. We've, We've done these shows. We were the only ones, to do Ozfest and the Warp Tour together on the same day. Yeah. And, really? Um, you know, Wait a minute. Warp Tour was downtown St. Paul, right? The Warp Tour used Where to was play. It? The first Warp Tour played at Midway Stadium. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we then we had it at at the Metrodome parking lot for a few years, and we had it on Harriet Island one year. That's the what I was thinking of. Yeah, Harriet Island. So it, so you did, had Ozfest in the dome, and then Warp no, tours. No, we had a, we had Ozfest in Somerset, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. At at the Apple River Amphitheater. Oh my right. God, that's then, such a big! I love that oh, amphitheater. He did a million it's, shows. There. I mean, that is the largest um, outdoor amphitheater in the United States. Well, are they still running? Or I don't know. 
I, That's yeah, no, they are. I, I know mean, they, they closed down done, for a bit. They haven't done a they haven't done a ton of shows, but it, it got you know the the original owners sold it to um, to the family that also owns the WeFest property. But and but we did Ozfest and the Warp Tour the same day at it ran concurrently. They were both what? both shows happened. Wow. And it was so all how how did that work, Gene? Were you at one and Randy at the other? No, it was just the one site, right? Oh, oh, you did, oh my I gosh! Gotcha. Wow, what a <laughs> cluster! That's crazy! Oh my yeah, gosh! Like 40,000 40, people or something like that at that yeah. show, and, and uh, it was great. I mean, you know, we we actually get the uh, honor of saying that we we did them both at the same venue on the same day on the same ticket, which was pretty cool. <laughs> what year was that? Do you remember? No, I you know yeah. 19, I, I don't <laughs> no. remember. No. Yeah, I get it. No, I get it. I you get can't it. talk to Gene during a during a show. I have never seen a guy more busy than Hollister. <laughs> yeah, he's he's talking around. to three yeah. people in front of him, and then he's got this microphone hanging off his T-shirt, and he's talking to them. He's putting out fires. He's paying people. He's hiring people. It's uh, you're you're a busy guy on show days, um, Gene. Yeah. Yeah, I got a little bit of ground to cover, and then I have to settle the show generally with the artist or whatever it is. Uh, did you, uh, Gene? Did you do? You talked about Riverfest. Were you guys responsible for the uh, Bob Dylan, Steve Earle show that must have had eight billion people at it? <laughs> do you remember that one? You no, know, I know we had Bob Dylan one year at, at Riverfest. You know, we had it was. Had I was a, to, I was a mile away. Jesus. Go over there. I mean, we. Used to, I mean, I remember having, you know, Stevie Ray because I was a big Stevie Ray Vaughan fan, and mm-hmm. Albert Collins and Robin Trower and the Spinners and Doctor John. I think we had, and God, I don't. You know, it blends together a little bit now. Van Morrison. I saw Van Morrison there with Mose Allison. That was great. I don't think we did. I don't think we were part of the year that Van Morrison was. There, oh, but I okay. could be. I could be wrong. We had Chuck Berry there. <laughs> Oh, all kind of blends together. Speaking of Chuck Berry, I have to tell one Kenny and Gene uh, story. Uh, We decided at the last minute, and God, I have no idea what the year was, that we were going to go to Blues Fest in Chicago. And uh, we we got in, I think it was Jeff Blexrud's um, tiny little Mustang. The whole back end was filled with a subwoofer. We drove down to Chicago. Uh, We slept in a park. Because um, the back seat had a subwoofer in it. <laughs> we, we, we didn't get a hotel. We slept in a park uh-huh. right next to Lake Michigan. But, Gene, do you remember the big act that we saw that was playing? It was Chuck Berry and Keith Richards. Yeah, Chuck Berry. And then Keith Richards came out. Yeah. And, uh, I think Muddy Waters was. I went to a couple of years wow. of that, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's unbelievable. But, well, we had Pine Top Perkins on like a just a flatbed trailer on oh on a side, which they called a side stage. Right, right. I mean, there was two hundred thousand people in the park. We didn't know. We went pretty naively because we didn't. Yeah, uh, very. I mean, we thought we were going to camp in Grant Park, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we we didn't have a hotel like Kenny said, and we drove up along Lakeshore Drive and yeah. uh, You're up like, into where? Evanston and will matter whatever. Yeah, we're just total rubes, Don. Total rubes. <laughs> yeah, we we turned around and the street was Chestnut Street. I remember that. What? And we 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 had turned around and, and the car was facing this park that was next to an apartment building. It was probably about a mile north of Northwestern College. Yeah. And um and there's this little park with like a playground set in, in it and and there was a fence line and some trees. And I said, let's see what's behind there. And we walked over there and there was about a what, 15 by 15 foot clearing. Yeah. Right just, on. Yeah. Right on Lake Michigan. Yeah. It, but it was yeah, up in the uh, air. It was like a little cliff. Good Lord. Yeah. yeah so what time of year was this? Uh, June, July. Okay, good. June or July. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think they did it like July 8th, right around that time. And we slept outside, Don, like pioneers. Or, or mountain men. Homeless. Yeah, or homeless people. Or homeless. Right, homos. Yeah. Um, so I noticed that you have a selective memory. You can remember that it was June 8th and you turned on Chestnut Street, but you don't remember what year uh, the Warped and Ozfest tour was. Yeah, but you got to understand that there's a lot of. No criticism. 
And we did Ozfest for a few years, and and we did, you know, Warp Tour for twenty years or whatever it was. And so you know, remember it was, and it was more than two weeks ago. But I remember, you know, I remember certain things. About it. And, I mean, we did camp right on the lake shore We're all weekend long. We camped there. Yeah. We we had a we actually had a tent though I remember oh and, did uh, we? we oh okay yeah, we did. So, so my memory's the same <laughs> no no that's all right um, but yeah I mean it was great and and I still talk to people and and uh, you know I have friends from Chicago and even well the disturbed guys are from Chicago and I think I was yeah. telling them one time and it was like yeah we know I know exactly where that spot is oh know? my lord all I remember is that thub uh, subwoofer thumping the whole way down and the whole way back <laughs> she gotta uh, keep awake somehow you also in, in addition to uh, you know I've got to guess you've probably promoted about 5,000 shows or more right I mean it's got to be way up there right yeah, I haven't. I've lost count. Yeah, but not only do you do that, you've got a pretty cool Henry Rollins story, and a Rolling Stones birthday party story. Well, we the Rollins story was I, I was doing a spoken word show with him at Ted Mann, and uh, I picked him up from the airport, and you know I was the promoter and whatever I was the guy for the day, right and. By the time we hit the airport doors, we were both talking about, oh, like, Mississippi Fred McDowell, who's mm-hmm. an old blues artist, and and, and Henry had uh, had a record label and a book like publishing thing going on. Yeah. So he published the Led Zeppelin book, but he was putting out, like, Mississippi Fred McDowell from the Mayfair Hotel, and he was huh. a big blues and jazz fans yeah so we started talking about blues and jazz guys that we like and i said well what do you want to do do you want to go to, to your hotel or do you want to and he goes let's go get breakfast so we went and had breakfast and then we wound up driving around to because i said what do you want to do do you want to just hang out here do you want to go, do you want to go to bookstores what do you want to do and he goes let's go to bookstores so we drove around Minneapolis and St. Paul, hitting different bookstores and and um, yeah, just chatting. And, and we went by the, the Metrodome. There was a Gopher game that day. <laughs> and he goes, what's going on here? And I said, oh, the Gophers are playing today. And he goes, the Gophers? I said, yeah, the college football team, you know, in the spirit of all ferocious animals, lions, tigers. So... Uh, and he had a laugh, and we joked about a couple other things. And then that night, he just talked about in the in which I was surprised that, but he talked about us driving around that day a little bit in the spoken word performance and seeing that. And, nice. And, uh, and, and then um, the Rolling Stones thing was we. There was a time when Randy, I mean, he did it a few times. I think there was an Aerosmith one. There was probably an ACDC one. Those are before my time. But um, we had a bowling party because the Stones were in town. Wasn't it? It was Mick's birthday, I think, because you invited me, and I said, nah, I don't stay at home and watch TV. Oh, God, God. I mean, yeah, I, I think it was Mick's birthday, Gene. Oh, my God. Yeah, that could, that could be. Um, I don't remember the year or the date. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Nor do I. No. So, uh, so no, do you, can you recall, like, um, a time where you just sat back and thought, I'm really lucky to be seeing this right now? That's my next oh, well, question. I, there's so many times that, that, I mean, there's one in, I mean, there's so many times, but there's one in particular, which we, we've talked about Stevie Ray being at Riverfest. Yeah. And it was 1990, you know, like I said, about a month before he died. Yeah. Oh. And I was standing on the side of the stage with a buddy and... Stevie was playing Voodoo Child, yeah. mm. and he came over, and he was, you know, 10 feet away from us. We were just off on the wings, but he was 10 feet away, and he's in the middle of Voodoo Child, and he looks over, and he sees us, and he gives us this little nod and smile, you know, mm. in the middle of the song, and I was, I still kind of get, you know, tingles <laughs> thinking about oh, that, because cool. it was just such a great moment, and, and I've had times where... I haven't done it a lot, but there was a couple of people that I sat down with and just said, you know, I we, we talked to for a while. Al Jardine was one. Hmm. Bill Cosby was one. Cosby? Was one. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So Cosby we did in, in uh, Rochester. This is before all the, all sure. the bad news. Well, yeah, right, right, right. 
And uh, we were in his dressing room for about two hours talking about music and medicine and him going to Temple <laughs> hmm. University and why he didn't go into sports and who his influences were as comedians and just all kinds of, I mean, it was just esoteric in a way because yeah. we touched on so many different things. And, and so then Al Jardine was out with uh, Brian Wilson. And I sat down with uh, Al, and I, I told him the story about, you know, sitting with Bill Cosby, and he had the same reaction that you guys kind of did. It's like, really, Cosby? I said, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and asking him what, you know, like what his influences were, and he said, oh, I'm a, I was a big folk guy, right? Like, oh. I was into the Kingsmen. And, oh, Kingsmen. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. And, and you know, I asked him, you know, again, not – being fanboy or anything because I wasn't. I was just like, okay, so what were, what was your favorite era of being in the Beach Boys? And uh, he said, oh, probably being in the studio with Brian back in the 60s, although they kind of had a, a resurgence in their popularity around 1980. Right, definitely. And um, Yeah, Kokomo, and right? Point, mm -hmm. It was that Kokomo song. Yeah, yeah I think so. And yeah. so then... Uh, he said, no, we had an airplane, so then we could fly to all the wow. gigs, right? And he goes, and so that was a pretty great time, too. And, and um, so it was, you know, there are just those little moments that you get with an artist that's, yeah. that, are, that are cool. I mean, Bette Midler was one who was, uh, we had Bette at Northrop, and it was the first date on her tour. And she was rehearsing. And I think Randy was out of town at the time or just coming back to town. And he said, well, just go down and say hi and make sure everything's going well for them. I said, okay. So I got to Northrop and I'm walking down the aisle and Bette looks up and she goes, who are you? You weren't here 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, no, I'm, you know, I'm Gene. I'm Randy's guy. I just came down to say hi and see how things were going. And she goes, oh, you know, hi. she's very cordial. And, you know, we had the show there, and then maybe a year or two later, she played at Target Center, and uh, I was standing on the side of the stage when she was about to go on, and she turned and looked at me and kind of did a double take and said, oh, hi, how are you? And, you know, nice to see you again. Aww. It was like, wow, what a memory. Yeah. Huh. I was quite, Im I was cool. quite impressed. And you were like, who are you again? <laughs> yeah, I should have. Like, wait, are, are you, who, how did you get up here? <laughs> But, uh, I do. Oh, no, it was. You know, I was just impressed by her memory too at that point. How, how how cordial she was, and you know, there's a few of those artists that are just great with people and their fans. Dolly Parton's another one who's just great with her fans, and she's everything they say she is. Right? She's just super she's awesome. awesome. Yeah, great gal. We did we did nine dates with her a few years ago, wow. all through the Midwest, and I had Tim Sparks opening up the shows. Nice. Wow. So Tim and I would drive city to city. We were in Chicago on Tim's birthday, and he bought a, well, John will like this. He bought a 1928 L.O. Gibson or something, or L1 Gibson. Okay, yeah. And um, nice guitar, but it was on his birthday that he bought it. And, um, no, she was, every you know, they she'd do meet and greets with the fans afterwards and, and take pictures with them. She was, you know... Very nice, and at the time she had more of a rock and roll crew. Not not all the, you know. I'm sure she had a country crew at one point, and I say rock crew because most of the guys, the tour manager is a friend, and she had been out with um, like Tool and and Slayer before. Yeah, and then, really. Now she's working with with oh, Dolly Parton. Sure, yeah. Huh. Wow. So we did that show, and, or we did those shows, and. The, her security guy at the time used to be our our furniture guy here in Minneapolis. So if we had to rent furniture for a show, oh, oh right, right, it, we'd call up Danny, and a guy named Danny Nozell, and he would bring couches and lamps and whatever right. we needed, right, to the venues and, for the green uh, rooms. For the green room, right. and then she he he wound up being. Uh, Slipknot's tour manager in the beginning, and, and wow. there's, a long, there's a brutal story there, but I, I won't go into that now. But, uh, <laughs> Good. But, but Danny wound up being security for Dolly on all these dates. 
So, you know, we wow. do the show. Danny and I would have a production meeting afterwards, per se. Um, some people in the know would know what I mean by that. I, I think I know what you mean by that, city. Gene. Yeah. Yeah, I, you might. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, then we, so then we go on to the next city. And, uh, and now Danny is managing Dolly. He's her manager. Wow, your furniture guy. Holy moly. Yeah, that's right. cool. He's, he's done well is, with himself. <laughs> is there? A, I got to ask you, Gene, uh, because everybody wants to know. Uh, you talked about the green room. The thing about riders for the green room are they? Do they get as weird as people actually say they do? Or people just ask for normal stuff? I, you know, they tend to ask for normal stuff, but every once in a while, <laughs> there's, I, people will, people will put on things on the rider. <laughs> stuff that that you go boy i'm not getting that i mean you know we don't sure. <laughs> we don't buy we don't buy socks we don't buy underwear we don't buy, you, yeah you know. Jeez. but but if but if you cross it out then they know you've read it right, you know? right. Oh, sure yep yeah we're denying but, your underwear request sorry <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. i'm not buying underwear for you guys what do you think you know? uh-huh. um I don't have. I need underwear myself. So yeah, um, <laughs> throw in some for yourself. Gene, right, the first right, time yeah. I uh, the f- oh that was an extra package. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the first time no, I was I ever to... backstage at a show, Gene, it wasn't your show, but I'm pretty sure you're the one that got us back there. It was for ZZ Top at Target Center. Yep. Do you remember being backstage at that show? Yep. And the whole band was there. And they were yep. they were the most chill, laid back, friendly guys you would ever. If they didn't have beards, you'd have no idea that they were big, huge, you know, stars. And you're still yeah, but you're still buddies with them, right, Gene? Well, I'm I'm buddies with their tour manager who used to work for CPI, which was Michael Cole's company back in the day. And so I've known Dwayne for you know since the '80s or early '90s, and I, this year when they were in town, well, we had them at, out at uh, out in Wyzetta last year, yeah, um, outdoors. And I've had them in in Somerset, Wisconsin. We had them with uh, Leonard Skinner, I think, out there. And then, um, uh, so this year, Dwayne came in, and he likes to go play golf. You know, especially on their days off. You know, there's a lot of guys that like to play golf. Alice Cooper, and I was supposed to go out with Frank Beard. And Dwayne and their p- production manager, and uh, it wound up just being Dwayne and I, and then uh, Frank Beard's two kids who were out on tour with him now. So uh, we went and played golf and had a great time. And, and Frank was the, he was the friendliest all of of the, all of them. His wife was there, and for some reason he cracked up at everything, every single thing I said. It was really really bizarre. Marijuana. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so at that time. Maybe, um, but that's where also where I met Mother Mary. Is she still around? Mary's still around. She's not. She's not um, doing. She was our masseuse uh, for years. She'd come out and, no. and be, you know, if if the artist needed a massage or some of the crew guys or whatever, it was common to have a masseuse on hand to to do these things. No, Don. Don is giving me a look, and seriously, Don, I'm standing there, and for some reason, I was rubbing my shoulder. I had, uh-huh. a, and all of a sudden, these two magical hands come up oh, behind yeah. me. And I, it's like, this is what it's like backstage? This I is mean, awesome. I mean, if I were famous, the first thing before a cook, a driver, whatever, I would hire a masseuse. Yeah. I'm serious. That is like, plus, you know, quite honestly, they put their bodies through a lot whenever oh, yeah. they're on stage. I mean, that's yeah. like a workout. And you're, you're tense. You're sleeping in a bunk on a tour bus. And you need a masseuse, you know? I think... <laughs> And their crew guys would use her. You know, Absolutely. So I saw her this year. I hadn't seen her for quite a while. And so she's not as, as mobile as she used to be. And so she goes, I can't really carry my table. And, oh. You know, and so she goes, I still do things once in a while, but I really need a lot of help to get here to there and, sure. and that kind of thing. But she was great. And, and uh, yeah, she's still around. I was surprised to, to – I wasn't surprised to see her. I guess I was just surprised to – in the context that I ran into her because our neighbor had a, an art uh, exhibit and we were invited to the art exhibit and, 
and uh, she was there too and apparently she knew Pam the neighbor and uh and there was Small a few world. other people that that were from like V Corp who used to do the ice follies or the ice capades or something and and forgive me if I really got that wrong but I know some of those you know Disney, I don't know if it was Disney on ice or who knows but it was you know they were they were another production company mm. that did you know events at Target Center and and um there's so many people behind the scenes uh, that yeah. that you guys know. It must be like a big family, like like a, a big act comes into town, and you know you call Mother Mary, you you get the crew set up right, the local load in load out crew, um, yeah. catering um, and, and security. Our guys at uh, Asia and and uh, Asia, it's a security company mm-hmm. in town, Don, and it, it, it it's kind of the same faces at every show, right, Gene? Backstage-wise. A lot of of the same ones, and you wind up seeing, like I said, uh, you know, Dolly's tour manager was out with Slayer and out with Tool and, and, you know, other... And so you wind up... There's a lot of people that I have met over the years that are touring people because it really is kind of a small small group of people, even though there's a lot of them out there, but it still kind of winds up being kind of a small family of people that are touring people, whether they're guitar techs or the production managers or the drum techs or the sound guy or, you know, whatever, uh, representing the band. And, um, I mean, Tommy Thayer, who is now, well, for lack of a better term, Ace Fraley and Kiss. Mm -hmm. Tommy was, uh, Tommy was in bands before, uh, before I met him, but I met him when he was just being like Kiss's concierge per se. I mean, he was, he was their handler, so yeah. if you needed something, Tommy would Tommy would be shuffling them to to meet and greets, and he'd be you know doing whatever he had to do as part of his job with Kiss. And then when they needed a guy to be Ace, he wound up getting the job. So, you know. <laughs> so incredible, Johnny Lang. He hired mostly local guys. I mean, we both know Linda and Mike that go out yep. on the road with Johnny all the time. Yep. Yeah. And, and Mike's Mike's been out with uh I think Tab Benoit lately and um but he did like the Experience Hendrix tour where they had, you know, Mitch Mitchell and and um uh the the later Billy Cox and then they'd take out like Eric Johnson or whoever as you know, they take out three or four different guitar players and they it was a night of Hendrix but it was uh an experience Hendrix evening. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he, he's worked with a lot of bands. There's a guy, you know, uh, Takumi, who is a guitar tech, and and he was he's been out with ACDC. He was he was with Prince for a long time, and kind oh. of Prince's guy. So a Prince, he was Prince's driver and his guitar tech. And <laughs> Gosh, so, that's funny. I mean, you know, yeah. he didn't. I mean, he wanted to be, Prince was kind of like, he didn't like to be around, you know, it didn't seem like he liked to be around a lot of people. No. Yeah, I, once I, you find somebody that you find loyal, I'm sure, or, you know, somebody that you can trust, they become part of your inner circle, and, and some people don't have a wide net for that. That'd be me. Yeah. I'd, I'd only hire friends. <laughs> it's true. Uh, speaking but, of Prince, uh, Gene Ross is wrapping us up. It's already been an hour. Uh, but speaking of Prince... Where does the Miles Davis show figure on your <laughs> list of highlights of favorite concerts? That was awesome. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was blown away, and I, I you and I went to that show, and yeah. it was, it was like, uh, it was stunning. Yeah. I mean, I, it was such a great show that night, and I mean, I. Uh, Him and for me, it was Miles and uh, Tom Waits. The two yeah. highlights uh, yeah. of my life. Great oh, show, Tom Waits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being able to—I mean, I've been lucky enough to to meet, you know, Albert Collins, Albert King, Stevie Ray, Jimmy Page, Jeff cool. Beck. Cool, cool. Um, you know, and so those are meeting some of my guitar heroes is really a highlight for me too. You know, yeah. and and uh, being having been part of, you know. Being able to book them, or being able to just even hang out, Rory Gallagher. I mean, he was one of my big. Uh, nice. Back when we were back when Kenny and I were in a band. Yeah. Um, yeah, we played Rory Gallagher songs. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And, and the worst part about your job 
and you don't have to say it, I'll say it for you, is all your friends. Because anytime an act is announced, we, we all call each other. Oh, right. We're all texting each other. Best is, is, again. It, is it a gene show? Is it a gene show? Yeah, it's a gene show. Oh, good. And then we all get on the phone and say, uh, Gene, old friend. Oh, yeah. My, can you, Gene? Uh, uh... <laughs> yeah, no, I know. You hear from people like when we were doing the Stones, even. You know, people that you hadn't heard from in five years. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, hey, hey, old uh, pal. Maybe, uh, maybe I could get your number, Gene. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he'll well, might some, promise you a better review or something. I don't know. We broker somebody this. Somebody there has it anyway. So. <laughs> All right, Gene. Uh, it's been absolutely delightful. Thank yeah, you thank so you much. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Really it's been appreciate so it. great you know, to hear your stories. I'm, I'm glad it's we got to finally do this after 200 years. Yeah, guys. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll leave you alone from now on. Uh, I'll probably talk to you in a couple of years, Gene. Uh, you need to make more contact so it's not so creepy when you need tickets, yeah, okay? Exactly. Let's not kid ourselves. Well, a show's coming to town you'll need. Talk, talked about, maybe we can do it again sometime. Cool. Let's Absolutely. Sure. It'd be great. We'd yeah. love cool. to have you on again. Thank you so much. All no right. No problem. Thank See you, Gene. Thanks, Gene. Okay, right. so uh, before we go here, we've got to change the open of this show. Why? Because it says Dawn from the Jason oh, and Alexis God. show. Oh, yeah, Amy, why did she even oh, do that? I don't want to put work into production. G- give us the announcement so all the, uh, if oh. you don't listen to my talk, but sure. you love Dawn McLean. Yeah, so I am, first of all, staying with the Krabby Coffee Shop. I'm not leaving. Good. Um, You know, this morning I was like, listen, uh, they asked me if I still wanted to do it. And I'm like, I can't, I can't let go of Kenny. I just can't, (laughs) you know, because he's our traffic guy in the morning. And then I just couldn't think of not having Kenny in my life. It happened for a while, and I cried so hard the day that that he left. So, um, And, of course, Ross, you, and John. I have loved doing the show. I know last week or a couple of weeks ago, I was such a biatch and complained. I'm like, sponsor this show or I'm out of here. It's That's... not true. I'm not leaving. Not that you'd care, but, you know, I love doing this show. It's so fun because it's just well, it, it is. So. Ross will never pass up an open microphone, so we can't put any stock in anything he says. <laughs> not at all. But John and I hate doing this show when you're not here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you if do? Don's gone, we yeah. pretty much have oh, no guys. show. The so, show is over. Yeah, so I am going to be hosting uh, the Noon to Three show on my talk with Bradley Trainer. So it is the adventures of Bradley and Don from Noon to Three. On my um, talk. And I have been doing mornings for 22 years. And so for the first time in 22 years, I won't have to wake up at 4 a.m. So hello. Yeah, there we Praise go. God for that. You thought she brought energy to this show <laughs> prior. Yeah, I'll be more awake, maybe less bitchy, not sure. So well, Congratulations. I'm, I'm so, so happy for you. It's it's exciting to and start if you, something uh, new. If you ever find yourself leaving this station or this market, uh, you're going to have to take me with. <laughs> Absolutely, in my contract. <laughs> I'm going with. <laughs> Ross, let's uh, hit that music and get out of here. Um, and as it's playing, I just want to tell everybody about DK Mags on Old 8 and New Brighton. They're a full-service gun shop with a wide selection of pistols, revolvers, ammo, accessories, everything you need. And if you have a specific firearm in mind, special orders, no problem at DK Mags. They'll be more than happy to help you uh, track down and then purchase that firearm or accessory you need. DK Mags, they also buy firearms, single units, up to entire estates. That's okay. Bring it up, Ross. I don't care. Uh, Check out their website, dkmags.com. They're on Old 8 New Brighton and Monticello Pond and Gun. dkmags.com. Here's the Rhinestone Diplomats taking us home. Scream.